This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This episode is sponsored by The Path, the coach-guided membership designed to help you make alcohol small and relevant in your life by removing your true desire to grab that next drink. Our science-based, compassion-led program allows you not only to shift your behavior and your relationship around alcohol, but more importantly, uncover and reprogram your subconscious conditioning and neural connections that have been keeping you stuck for years. With daily live breakthrough coaching, an intimate and supportive community, regular peer-to-peer connection calls, and a complete vault of resources, this is where your path to total freedom and effortless enjoyment of your new way of life begins. Join us at NakedMindPath.com. Hey, everybody. It's head coach of This Naked Mind, Scott Pinyard, and I am back with more coaching questions. And this time around, I'm really happy to have one of our incredible certified coaches, Terry Patterson with me. Terry, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I'm really happy you're here. So, you know, we have this uh, we have this form that, that we send out when we ask people to be on the podcast and your interest, uh, your response was so interesting. We asked you like, what do you like to focus on? Um, and this is what you wrote in. You said, helping people frame taking a break as the next step in their wellness journey Um, I want to hear a little bit more about you and a little bit more about that concept. So go ahead, your turn. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, what happened for me when I stopped drinking is I moved into that next phase of what was exciting for me and where my life was opening up. And because I had been kind of a wellness enthusiast, you know, as a lay person, just kind of playing around with trying things out and, you know, making my health journey a priority. When I stopped drinking, I moved into going to nutrition school, which had been kind of a side passion. Mm -hmm. And so while I was in uh, nutrition school and getting my certification as a functional nutritionist, I realized that here I was alcohol free, but no one was really talking about the connection between wellness and nutrition or wellness in general and alcohol and what that looked like. And for me, it had been a pivotal moment. It had been like, uh, this has been keeping me stuck. And so I started thinking about, well, what are wellness professionals and the people we look up to in the wellness world, you know, those nutritionists and health coaches and the yogis of the world. And, you know, the people we see on Instagram and Facebook that we kind of admire because they have it all together. What are they saying about alcohol? And often it's never part of the conversation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I saw this big disconnect. I expected people to be talking about it. And I thought, well, there's kind of two things going on. Number one, people are either not aware that maybe they should be focusing on alcohol because they're still kind of in that, you know, just unaware stage or they're secretly recognizing it. But again, secret, they're not feeling comfortable to share it in the space of a wellness journey. And so for me, I thought, what would it look like for people to have this as part of their 
path to wellness. Like we often find people want to take a break from sugar or people, you know, work on hydrating more and they want to try intermittent fasting or they want to go on a ketogenic diet. What if they want to just explore their relationship with alcohol as the next step? I feel like that opens it up to a whole way of bringing it out from the secrecy point mm -hmm. into a place where we're having a natural conversation about it. And then it doesn't get weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, so you hit on this because one of the reasons this really piqued my interest was that, um, you know, we've been talking about at This Naked Mind about like, what is this conversation around alcohol? And traditionally for a long time, it's been this sort of shame, sort of stigma laced conversation, but the data is really clear. You know, this, it doesn't necessarily like, yes, uh, you know, in terms of the process and being stuck, you know, in this idea of the, even something as simple as the idea of what comes into your head when I say the word alcoholic, like those things are what people associate with taking a break. But the reality is, as you point out, is that like, this is not necessarily just an addiction conversation. It's a wellness conversation. Um, and I totally agree with you. Like I, um, I've seen, well, here's a perfect example. So I, uh, I do what are called go ruck events where I put a weight on my back and we go walk for a long period of time and do like climb around on stuff and it's silliness. But at the end, so, and these are like super fit people right? It's not me, but others are super fit people. And so, you know, we'll do this and uh, we get done with an event and there's like this a formal wrap up. And then there is a long standing tradition of standing in the parking lot and drinking beer afterward. Yeah. And I'm like, it totally, and I remember the first time I saw it because it, it's, it was so different than the impression that I got of those people. I mean, these are people that really watch what they eat. You know, they really take care of themselves. There are people that'll do these events every weekend in the summer and then they get drunk in a parking lot. And I'm like, what a disconnect. It's amazing. Yeah. And I totally resonate with that because, you know, I even in my nutrition school, you know, we had like a celebrate celebration at the end where we all, it was a part virtual and part in-person training. And so at the, our last weekend where we took our final and everybody, you know, passed, we went out for dinner and of course people were drinking. And, you know, I was just kind of scratching my head. At that point, I had been alcohol free for just over a year. And, you know, again, I was struck by the fact that people weren't acknowledging that maybe there was something to be gained in looking at this relationship with alcohol mm -hmm. when it came to all of the things I had just learned about. You know, as a nutritionist, we focused on gut health and digestion and brain health and immune system. And, you know, when we look at the role that alcohol alcohol plays, we see that it affects every system in our body. And so yeah. it's a natural progression that, huh, I'm working on my immune system. You know, I need to pay attention to what I'm putting in my body. Let's look at the component of alcohol instead of making it this hard line between, well, that's an addictive addiction conversation yeah. you should be having with a therapist. My vision and my passion is to help wellness professionals bring this conversation to their clients so yes. that it's not an addiction conversation. It's just another conversation about how do we get to the best version of ourselves.
I love that. I mean, so my favorite food is French fries, right? It's like my, my weakness. <laughs> if I go to a nutritionist and they ask me what I've been eating and drinking and I tell them like, I have no problem with them saying, hey, maybe don't eat French fries all the time, right? Um, I feel like that should be the same way with alcohol. And, and the problem, and I'm kind of curious about this too, from, from your experience, you know, I think one of the reasons this hasn't become as much uh, of a force in the wellness conversation, although I think it's changing, but like, um, I think that part of it is that the conversation around alcohol is heavy. You know, people, people, there's this idea that like, if I quit drinking, it's because I have a problem, right? And then you're, you're stuck with the labels and you're stuck with the shame and, you know, all of that stuff that happens, uh, just this sort of cultural stigma we have. Um, but why do you think, I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons, but like, have you seen that um, sort of in your work and how do you work around that? Like, how do you reframe that for people? Yeah, so I think that that's definitely true, is that we tend to want to divide. We talk about this with this naked mind. We want to divide people into two categories, normal drinkers and people with a problem. Yeah. And so as long as we can stay on the side of normal drinkers, we don't have to have that conversation. And right. so, you know, my, my take on it is that we just need to have the conversation more often and in more places. Yeah. And so what I, you know, what I would love is that you go to your massage therapist and they say, "Wow, you seem a little inflamed. Let's talk about, you know, is alcohol maybe having a part of this?" You go to your esthetician and, you know, you can't quite get over the acne. Oh, have you ever thought about how alcohol affects your skin? You know, you go to your personal trainer and you just don't have the stamina to quite get to the speed that you want in your training runs. Gosh, have you ever thought about is how's your sleep going? Do you know, are you, are you drinking in the evenings? Do you think that might have an effect? If you hear it from every wellness professional in your life, you're going to start thinking, wow, this is something I need to pay attention to. Maybe I need to look at whether or not this is affecting my wellness. That I, I actually have nothing to say to that because I love everything you just said. <laughs> like I was going to make a point and then I'm like, no, you, like this is great. And I like to me personally, you know, one of the things that certainly held me back from actually making this change over time was the stigma. And I will say at the same time, I was working out, right? Mm -hmm. I was trying to take care of myself. And so I just thinking of my own story and like if that had been part of the conversation, just like not eating as much french fries like that that changes everything for people um all right so i have some questions you want to dive in with me yeah all right let's go to question number one um i am uh sorry what are your top tips on preparing for those first 30 days Oh, yeah. So I think this is, um, there's so many things you can do when you're thinking about taking a break. Um, I think you should buy a journal because the intention of buying a journal is going to make you recognize that journaling is going to be a part of this journey. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people, I get this as a nutritionist, people don't want to do a food journal. It's yes. hard. <laughs> I get a lot of resistance, but when people do the food journal, 
and they do the alcohol journaling, they recognize things in black and white that they didn't really process all the way when they were just thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So I love for people to know that, you know, journaling can be a valuable and powerful part of this journey, just like a food journal can be if you're on a diet change. And then I love for people to, um, you know, share it with someone close to them that will be their supportive partner that will be somebody they can really, um, you know, just kind of let down their hair and mention if they're having a hard moment. And this is true from a nutritional standpoint as well. When people are making big changes with their health, having somebody that understands it's a struggle at times and it can be hard, can be a really valuable place to, you know, have that support. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that um, joining a community, one of the things I teach is a sugar curriculum, you know, a sugar detox curriculum. And it's done in a small group for a reason, because there's power in community, yes. recognizing that you're not alone, having someone to um, cheer you on or commiserate with you, a share in the journey. Um, we know that humans are wired for connection. And so having a community is, can be really important. And that's true with, you know, whether you're going on a sugar-free journey or an alcohol-free journey. And so I think that mindset also comes into play, you know, recognizing, um, Annie says it so beautifully, that lasting change comes from a place of positive emotion. So we have to stop beating ourselves up and get to a place where we recognize that, hey, whatever I did in the past, now that I'm right here, this is the place to move forward in a positive manner. And we have to let go of what happened in the past and just say that I'm starting from where I'm at. And I think that that's also really, really, really helpful. I love that. I sort of to build on that last point, you know, we, I talk to people all the time when they do something like the alcohol experiment where they take 30 days off of alcohol. Um, and you know, it's funny, like people don't generally, although, um, as you continue to do your stuff, this might change, but a lot of times people, when they first do the alcohol experiment, they've tried a lot of other things. Right. Um, and so one of the biggest things for me in the 30 days, and this ties into the mindset idea, those first 30 days is to just let go of all those preconceived notions that you've had. Um, one of the things I see over and over, and we, we talk about this in the intro to some of our courses, but the idea that you're going to get what you expect, right? And so if you come into this 30 days and you're like, this is going to be awful, I am going to be miserable. I'm not going to have any fun. Uh, That's what you're going to find, right? If you come into it, and I'm not asking you to, you know, if you don't think it's true, you're going to have an amazing time. That's fine too. But what I'm saying is just letting go of what happened before and being able to just experience what's happening is what I see as one of the most transformational parts of that. Yes, I agree. Um, You know, just being able to have an open mind about, I, you know, I always talk about, and it comes from one of my nutrition, um, some of my nutrition training, but talking about intention versus expectation. Mm. When we have an expectation, we get caught up in the black and white of, you know, did I go 30 days, for example, you know, um, was it hard? Um, You know, I didn't meet the goal that I expected. People come to me and want to lose weight. And I always say, you know, having an intention around what 
losing weight feels like or what letting go of alcohol feels like is much more powerful and open-ended than having an expectation. So I think setting an intention can be also a very powerful place to start. I love that. Um, I, and I totally agree. Like I've found in, um, certainly when I quit drinking with this naked mind, but even other changes I've made in my life, you know, focusing on um, the problem, at least that I have, maybe I'm alone in this, but like the problem that I have is with expectations is I'm always comparing as to whether or not they're coming true or I'm doing the right thing. And I lose sight of what's actually happening, right? It's really this narrow idea of what's going to happen in the next 30 days or when I start this diet or whatever that thing is that, that someone does. Yeah. When I take people on um, a sugar detox, you know, they'll talk about um, they'll often, we do this exercise in the very beginning of, of a small uh, five-week program, and they'll talk about whether or not, they, you know, they'll often want to say, well, I want to lose 10 pounds. And so we, I help them reframe that to, you know, I want to feel lighter. I want to feel like my clothes are looser. I want to feel... Um, you know, um, freer when I move around. I want to walk up a flight of stairs without losing breath. And then when we come to the end of the five weeks, maybe they didn't lose a pound, but they always met some of those intentions, which is so powerful. I love that. That's so good. Um, let's move on to the next question. So um, this one I picked out for you because they, well, you'll see why in a second. Um, so here it is. It is, uh, my work has me traveling all the time. When I am home, I am completely committed to keeping a healthy lifestyle. This means that I eat very healthily. I cook every day. Um, and when I'm on the road, I go way out of my way to find healthy options. Side note, as someone who used to travel for work a lot, um, that is not always easy. So um so anyway, um, I go way out of my way to find healthy options, but alcohol is a challenge. How can I stay committed or do you have any tips for how I can stay plugged in while I'm on the road and stay on the alcohol-free track that I'm on right now? Mm, well, one of my favorite things to do when I am traveling and even um, if it's a short distance is listen to podcasts. And there are some great podcasts out there that can help you stay true to those intentions, whether it's specifically around your alcohol-free journey, like listening to this Naked Mind podcast. Um, you can listen to other upbeat podcasts that resonate with you that help you, um, you know, keep your intentions in front of you and help yeah. you on this journey of just feeling more excited and vibrant in your life. You know, rather than um, listening to the news, for example, which is so negative, you can choose a positive, upbeat podcast about alcohol freedom or not, that can really help you stay, you know, positive throughout the day with just a positive mindset. And again, lasting change comes from that positive mindset, right? And then, you know, as far as, um, you know, uh, not drinking while away. You know, I think that um, having a routine as much as possible, you know, if you have a family making a time that you might normally be tempted to drink as your check-in time with your kids, yeah. you know, making a phone call at five o'clock at night so that they, you're, you're showing up present for them. Um, you know, often in, in a hotel room, you can do things like take a luxurious bath that you wouldn't have at yeah. home, <laughs> you know, bring some Epsom salt as a nutritionist. I love to recommend Epsom salt soaks, either foot soaks or bath soaks, because it helps you sleep. It helps with muscle relaxation. It helps with digestion. And most of us are depleted in magnesium. So that can be a really relaxing uh 
you know, just a routine that you set in place, just like you do at home, you have your routine at home, having that travel routine is just a way to set yourself up for success. Because we talk about this in this naked mind, you know, maybe means yes. And decision fatigue always leads to maybe, yes, right? Yes. And so when we have that routine in place and we have sort of a pattern of what we are going to do and what we visualize, I think that can go a long way toward helping someone make the choice to stay alcohol-free while they're traveling. I love that. You know, one of the things for me, and again, the reason I picked this question is she talks specifically about a healthy lifestyle. I, I like to think of it like, you know, you're willing to go out of your way to find food, which again, is not necessarily easy depending on where you are. You're willing to, my guess is this person is also probably working out. Um, but it's staying connected with that idea of yourself, staying connected with that positive emotion of your goal um, that can make such a huge difference. And in terms of staying connected, I think the only thing I would add, Terry, to what you said is staying connected to groups. So if you're, um, you know, if you're in a group coaching program, you have a coach, um, you know, reach out to them. Or even if you're in like a free, uh, a free Facebook group, like the This Naked Mind Facebook group, going there and just, just putting yourself out there and staying connected to those things that help remind you of what you're doing, it makes such a difference. The fact of it is like environment changing will change the thoughts we have, right? So we're recording this during COVID-19. I have not left my friggin' house in months and I'm going crazy. Um, but I know that when I do, you know, I'm going to have different thoughts, right? There's different stimulus, there's different inputs. And so that changes the way that we normally think. Um, and so when you're on the road, it can be easy to kind of lose touch with that, right? Lose touch with that intention. Um, but checking, setting up those ways, like calling your kids is so massively helpful um, to, to staying alcohol free while you're, while you're traveling. So, and if you oh. don't have young kids, call your mom because she always oh, wants to hear mom. from you. <laughs> that is very true. That is super true. I love that. Um, all right. I'm going to ask you the big question. This is one, um, I've synthesized this, um, from multiple, um, multiple programs we've done. Um, but I get this question all the time and I've been looking so forward to having you on this call so we can actually talk about this. And it, the question is always a version like this. I am about to quit drinking. What supplements should I take? So Terry, nutritionist coach, Terry, what is your answer to that? Yeah, well, I, you know, my answer is a little different perhaps than some other um, nutritionists or health coaches, but I'm going to um, make it all about um, preparing to do this is about helping your body through the journey it's going to go through. So we talk about homeostasis, which is where your body wants to naturally be that healthy state of balance that your body is wired and designed to thrive in. And so we've gotten out of whack with drinking alcohol. So one of the things we want to do is we want to take some of those things that are also adding to that place of, you know, where we're out of whack, where we maybe aren't eating as well or sleeping as well or moving or doing any of those self-care lifestyle things. And we want to add those in while we're taking out some of the bad, you know, add in the good, take out the bad to get back to this balance, but we don't have to force it. You know, people often think that um, they want to 
they ask me all the time, you know, what, like you said, what supplements, what should I exactly, you know, give me the prescription basically of what I should be doing. And really it's about just a few things. It's about getting back to whole foods. This gives your body a break from processed foods. This gives your body a base to start to detoxify from that's going to keep your body nourished while you go through this little bit of detoxification that's going to come from letting go of alcohol. Then very simply, we want hydration to be a big part of this because hydration is going to do the same. It's going to help your body reset naturally. And so as a nutritionist, that looks, you know, what I recommend to people that looks like about half your weight, your body weight in ounces of water per day. Now, if you're only drinking five ounces of water today, a day, don't suddenly drink 150, but, you know, um, work up to more hydration, focus on that as a natural way of letting your body reset. And then things like we were just talking about the Epsom salt bath, you know, give your body some of those nutrients they can uptake naturally that are going to help. One of the things people don't realize is that high quality salt Himalayan salt or uh, sea salt has over 90 trace minerals that we just don't get in our food supply anymore. So I always ask people to add a few pinches of salt to their daily water intake to help with uptaking some of those uh, micronutrients that we need to help our body stay strong during this time of kind of rebalancing and getting back to homeostasis. And the last thing that people need to know is that we have a built-in lymphatic system that helps us naturally detoxify. And that's going to be important during this journey, but we don't have to force it. You don't have to go on a detox and drink, you know, only (laughs) green juice for six days. You know, in fact, don't do that because your body wants, needs to use some of its energy for just rest and repair. And so natural ways to detoxify, take a sauna get a lymphatic massage, you know, exercise just for a little bit to the point of sweat. Don't overdo it. But you know, anything you're doing to get your sweat on is going to help that lymphatic system, you know, just do its job of letting go of that toxin alcohol and helping you feel better. So it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be really simple. And it's a way of thinking about aligning your body to do the powerful work it's going to do. You're just going to help it along the way. You don't have to force it. I have heard you answer that question before, which is why I picked it. And I love your answer so much because I'm going to say what you said, but in a little bit of a different way. Um, and it's, it's maybe a little bit more wooey than the way that you said it. But I believe so strongly, um, and I see this over and over in our programs, the answers we're looking for on how to move forward and how to quit drinking like, and, and how to change our lives, we already have them, right? So it's already, it's already us. Um, and, you know, this idea of I'm always looking outside of me for the next answer. I'm always looking outside of me for where to go. The reality is you already have everything you need. And when you can, when you can take that idea on, this whole idea of supplements ends up being um, superfluous. And I'm not saying supplements are superfluous. I'm saying for the purposes of making this change, you know, and everything you just listed there is all about our body's natural desire and ability to get to some level of, of homeostasis. Um, 
And all of the stuff you mentioned there are about our body detoxifying. And the number of people I see that come up and they're like, I'm going to detoxify my liver when I quit drinking. And I'm like, yeah, you, you will by just not drinking. <laughs> like, that's the amazing thing about this. Um, and there's so much, I think, particularly with supplementation, there's so many questions and there's so many different places that people can get resources. And I'm not attributing bad motives to anybody, but there's also a lot of different places to buy this stuff. So if you go into a, you know, a, a vitamin cottage and ask them, hey, what, what should I take? Like, they're going to give you suggestions. They're probably very helpful suggestions, but it's so important to keep in mind that like we have these systems in our bodies to help us regulate and get back to where we want to go. We already have the answers. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing that people often don't realize about supplements is that, you know, from a nutritional standpoint, your body has to digest that it has to take it through <clears throat> the fate there's two phases of, of um, processing and we have to go through that and it involves our liver and so when we've already kind of been taxing our liver with drinking alcohol to add in a bunch of supplements that we have to then ask our liver to process is really kind of the opposite direction we want to go at least in the very beginning and so it's important to recognize we don't want to overburden the liver with all of these supplements while we're trying to let it just naturally do its thing. And the other thing, too, is that, you know, water will help so much with that more than supplements, really. You know, we have, like you said, we have these natural sources that we can use that we don't have to get all fancy. And um, when I was in nutrition school, we learned, you know, that everybody is a bio individual. And so, you know, even if there is a great supplement out there, it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. So right. you have to, like you said, getting woo right along with you. We listen <laughs> to our body, you know, yeah. and it's the same thing, you know, that I really believe in learning to kind of do intuitive eating so that people are fueling their body from a place of what feels good and noticing what feels good and getting back to, you know, not counting calories and measuring food, but really recognizing what I eat looks different than what you eat, but it fuels my body in the way that's right for me. And so we have to look at supplements the same way. We have to get, let our bodies sort of get back to a base place. Yeah. And then if things aren't working, then you as a bio individual can explore that. But to just blanket say that everybody needs to get X, Y, and Z in order to go on an alcohol-free journey kind of defeats the purpose. Yes, totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. Um, all right. I have two more questions for you. Um, I'm going to ask you this one. This is another one that we get very often. And I'm curious about this from, from your perspective. Um, I take a regular breaks from alcohol, but every time I come back to drinking, I feel like I just keep drinking more. Why is it that I can take a break, but then I always fail when I try to moderate? <laughs> well, you're speaking my language because I was stuck in the moderation myth for a long time. Yeah, and, too. you know, the moderation myth might be overstating it, but for me, it really was an issue. I thought, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, the, the mindset of two drinkers, the normal drinker and the problem drinker. And so in order to not become a problem drinker, I just needed to moderate. And what happened for me was uh, it didn't work. You yeah. know, that's the end of the story. It didn't work. I was using so much mental capacity to try to moderate 
you know, always having to make a decision, always thinking about drinking, always thinking about not drinking, always thinking about how much I had drank, that it was exhausting. I mean, yes. I felt like there was another person living inside me that just ran the tapes in my head all day long. And <laughs> it was so discouraging um, that it was for me, the heartbreak came for me when I decided that I needed to take a, make a firm decision about not drinking instead of moderating. And then I found freedom and it looks different for everyone. But I think for somebody who keeps themselves in that place, um, we come back to that same decision-making that we have to do over and over and over again. And, you know, until we, um, you know, you guys talk about in this naked mind, we talk about liberation versus fixation. Yes. Yeah. And there is no liberation while we're still fixated on making a decision every day. Mm -hmm. And so even if we can let go for a while, we're always, if we start drinking again, we're going to come back to that place of having to be in that constant decision-making. And for me personally, it just wasn't enough freedom. I wanted more. And so I think that um, the other thing we have to factor in is the chemical components that are in alcohol mm -hmm. keep us in that cycle. You yes. know, I'll work with people sometimes and they'll go seven days and they say, but I'm only drinking once a week. And that's great as a step, but it's always still going to be a place where you're, you know, we were talking before about detoxifying. You're always going to have to reset even if you're just drinking once a week or for 30 days out of the year, you know? So um, it's not surprising to me based on my own journey that it's a difficult path to walk. It is so hard. And, you know, one of the, one of the challenges for me, so like you, I was stuck in it for a long time. Um, and, you know, when I look back on that journey uh, and I'm, I'm honest with myself, um, I was seeing moderation as a way to deal with the pain that I felt when I couldn't stop drinking, right? So my thought was, okay, well, if I can just moderate, like that was my ticket to freedom. But every single time I tried, I might be successful for a few days or a few moderation attempts, but I always, uh, just like this question, I always ended up drinking again. And a lot of times what happens when people try to moderate, maybe they're good for a while, but then they end up drinking more. So one of the things that um, I like to, to coach on when we get in this in this scenario um, is a tough topic, which is really it, it's it's at the core of this whole idea of moving forward from alcohol, and it's this: it's being intellectually honest with yourself. Now I can tell you that when I was going through my journey, um, I had multiple people pull me aside, uh, including my wife, uh, and say. Uh, I think you need to do something about this. Um, that, that experience is very shame-inducing. That was very, very well-intentioned by her, and I don't blame her at all, but the people that reach out to me and say that to me were concerned about me. And when I look back at my moderation attempts, it was very much a chance to try to appease them, right? To try to make sure that she doesn't see me have more than two drinks. Um, but also, when I look back, I, I know that deep down I was aware and I was fighting with this idea every day. I was wrestling with this every day. That to your point, Terry, like if, if I'm spending so much energy trying not to drink, then maybe there's something else going on here. 
Um, now, I don't necessarily expect anyone to take massive leaps with this. Um, so to the person who's stuck in this cycle, I'm not necessarily saying like, just be honest with yourself because that's not how it works. Um, but what I would suggest is be open to some of those thoughts and be open to, to thinking about, okay, if, if this isn't working for me, maybe there's a different path. Um, and that's how I like to describe alcohol-free versus moderation. It's not that one is right and the other is wrong. It's just different choices. And you know, our job on this journey is to find that choice or find that path that's right for us. Um, actually, I have a funny story about this. I remember uh, we have a year-long coaching program called The Path. And I worked with uh, this, this one lady all the way through the first year. And I remember on the very first conversation, she said, I am not going to drink for a year and then I'm going to moderate. And I was like, okay. And she brought up moderation over and over and over throughout the year. And it seemed like, uh, it did not seem like a liberation situation. It seemed like a fixation situation. And uh, fast forward to the end of the year and, you know, we're saying goodbye. And I asked her, I'm like, so is, is moderation still in the cards for you? And she goes, yeah, maybe. And I was like, okay, what, what does that mean? You know, do you have a plan? Do you have guard with them asking her all these things? She's like, no, I don't really have a plan. I don't really feel like it. Uh, maybe, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. And my response to her was like, that's actually moderation. Like, that's amazing. You know, you get to this place of freedom with it, where it's, it's not about rules. It's instead of, about how you feel and just understanding that there's certain certain guidelines you want to follow. Um, so it is possible for people, but just being open to, all right, what being, being intellectually honest, that sounds like kind of a harsh phrase. I don't mean it in a bad way, but like being intellectually honest with ourselves about, no, this is, this is what I'm seeing. This is where I'm at. And then being open to the possibilities is what I see help people all the time with this. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it's just, we all have to come to a place where we decide, you know, for me, I just, my response when I stopped drinking to people was it just wasn't serving me anymore. Yes. Yeah. And I wanted to move forward in my life in a way that felt congruent with who I was trying to become. Mm -hmm. And when I finally recognized that alcohol was actually holding me back, not propelling me forward, not making it better, that was a place of true changed for me. That's so good. Um, all right. Last question. It's time. This is the curveball question. I ask everyone this. I don't prepare them ahead of time. Um, and it's goofy. So feel free to be goofy, Terry. Um, so here's your curveball question. Who would play you in a movie about your life? Oh my gosh, this, you should have prepped me. I don't know. Um, no, it's more fun to do it spontaneously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Reese Witherspoon. I, I was going to say that. I'm sitting here looking at you. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, that's great. <laughs> that's so good. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, Terry, for joining us. Um, if people want to find out more about you, how can they find you? Yeah. So I am the Sober Nutritionist, and that is my website and my Facebook page. I am Terry uh, dot the Sober Nutritionist on Instagram, and you can find me on the TNM coaching page. Awesome. That is so good. Uh, so thank you again, Terry. I appreciate your time. And thank you to everyone listening. I'm Scott Pinyard. I will be back next month with some more coaching questions. We'll see you then. Take care. Bye, everyone. 
Hi, it's Annie Grace. I wanted to interrupt this podcast, I guess the end of this podcast, to say that if you're totally serious about actually and truly and forevermore transforming a relationship with alcohol, really leaving it behind in the rearview mirror for once and forever, and changing your psychology about it, we have a program called The Path that I've created specifically for you. Now, it's not for you if you're still dabbling or trying to figure out where you want to be or maybe even if you still want to moderate. All those things are fine. That's great. But if you're beyond that and you're like, no, I just want to be done with this. I'm ready to invest some time and I'm ready to just make this happen. I want the answer. I want the easy way out. Then I want you to check out NakedMindPath.com and join us in the path where you receive coach guided and community support so that you can truly make this lasting change that you want in your life. And as always, Rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.